0: In the, um, in the book of 1 Corinthians, actually in chapter five, I'm always amazed when I read again the passage about the sinning brother, what takes place with the sinning brother and what Paul says about the sinning brother. So um, I tell you what, let me just simply read the passage and then we'll talk about the issues that I wanna talk about here. First Corinthians five and one, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. And so Paul opens up in a condemnation about a certain activity that's going on in the church. And Paul said that he was bewildered by it uh, among christian people that such a one a person a man would actually be having an immoral sexually immoral relationship with his father's wife most likely his stepmother but nevertheless it just let me make an aside right quick it is an interesting thing to see how in the book of first corinthians first corinthians i truly love that book Uh, i love all of the books to be honest with you but chapters 12 through 14. First Corinthians dealt with the people who were very spirit-filled. They were the most spirit-filled, that means spiritually gifted, church. It is in the scripture. And now, here's the thing that you have to understand. They were not uh, false, falsely gifted. They were indeed truly spiritually gifted. They had so many, it seemed like almost all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in the Corinthian church, which itself is an indication of their election. That means of their salvation. The Corinthian church was a saved church. But what is also remarkable is, even though they were a saved church, they were the most fleshy. They were the most, I wanna say, well, sinful. And it is an amazing thing but it shows how it is not by works that we are called, but by the grace and election of God. But the point, let me stay on point. So this church, very uh, spiritually gifted, a saved, and that's what Paul was basically talking about as a whole, a saved church. But nevertheless, there were some awful things going on. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul actually points one of them out that was most grievous to him. And that's what about this sinning brother who was having an illicit sexual affair with his own stepmother. But let's continue in verse number two so I can make my point. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. And so now Paul is saying, as far as the church is concerned, the general church body is aware of this sinfulness. And instead of them being angry with the brother and taking a judicial action by judicial action, the church has the power to act against this brother. That's the judgment. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, if whenever there are two or three gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. That is not a statement concerning that's a church body. That's a state. That was a statement that deals with the judicial act of judging. That is the church judging another member and Jesus would sanction it if the judgment is true. And that's what that was talking about. And so Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, you are well aware of this. And instead of you being sad and doing something about it, you got an attitude. Verse number three, for I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So Paul is saying, so even though the church itself, aware of the evils that this brother was doing, he's sitting there on the front row with the room, <laughs> did nothing about it. Paul said he, as an apostle and representative of Jesus Christ, using the apostolic authority that God had given him, Paul would bring such a sinning brother into judgment. And so he says, He uses. Notice how he invokes the name of Jesus in the name of our Lord Jesus when you are assembled. So notice. So that is the use of apostolic authority and the idea that Jesus Christ is sanctioning what Paul is about to do. Jesus is saying you do that. And I and heaven are saying, let it be done. And that's what Jesus was talking about. The two or three gathered. But anyway, he says, when you come assemble, that is, you come in into church together, he says, what we will do, we will do it in the name and power of the Lord Jesus to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, I don't want to get a lot apart, a lot into this part, but here's what you have to understand. The, once a person becomes a believer, once a person becomes a believer, Satan who has the power and the authority, the keys of hell and death the keys over that. Satan no longer has the authority over the believer's life to put the believer to death. It is Jesus himself. It is through Christ. Every believer is put to death. However, because the sins of this man was so grievous, He will be given back over into the authority of Satan. And therefore, Satan now has regained the authority to put this man to death. But it's something else that I want you to see. Now, listen, it is a grievous sin. Can you imagine a person sleeping with his stepmother and actually a member in the church? But here's something I want you to see. Notice what Paul says at the end of verse number five. That at the putting to death, after Satan has put this man to death, doesn't mean in the flesh. That is his body is now killed. Notice what he said. So that purposeful, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. So what did Paul just say? He just literally said such a man, this, that's why I called it the sinning brother such a man indeed is a Christian. However, he is not living a Christian life and therefore he falls under a severe judgment of God. And that severe judgment is the taking of his life. And that just simply goes to to say in a roundabout way, once again from me it's necessary for us to live obedient lives before Christ. We can't live as we choose to live because we are subject to fall under discipline. So that, that's, that's necessary. But what is amazing, and this is what I have to re-emphasize: what what is amazing is this. Notice, this man's soul is saved in the day of Christ. This is no way intended to be permissive, because that's the strength of what I was just saying. It's necessary for us to be obedient. Otherwise, we incur the discipline of God. That's what Paul was saying later on in the book of this very book, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that when we are judged, we are disciplined by God, that we do not suffer judgment with the world. Saints of God are never judged and sent to hell. No saint is ever sent to hell, but we can be judged in discipline, and in that discipline, God can end our lives. But my point is, it shows the irrevocable nature of the love of God. Irrevocable simply means he does not take it back. That's why Paul said, in again, in the book of Romans, for the gifts, he was speaking concerning Israel, but the point is principle, to be applied to all, for the gifts, and callings of God are irrevocable. That which God give, he never takes it back. And that's why we see in Romans chapter eight, that blessed chapter that made Paul himself shout, what did he say? Neither height nor death, things present, nor things to come, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, one who is truly indeed saved, nothing he does, nothing she does, will ever remove them from God's precious love. His love remains steadfast. That's why Jesus said concerning himself, he will be with us always. And once again, he says concerning the Holy Spirit, he will never leave you. He didn't mean that when you sin, he will leave you, no. He said he will never leave you. It's an amazing thing. So nevertheless, to round this out, <laughs> uh, number one, what we see with the sinning brother is when he is judged, he is judged of God and he is disciplined by God, the father for his sins, even to the point of ending his life prematurely. Now, Paul talks more about that in second Corinthians, but I'm going to do that now. But even to that point of ending his life prematurely, but nevertheless, and even in the judgment of ending his life, his soul is still with the Lord. Nothing separates us from the love of God. And that is amazing. But just in case, just in case, because we always have false professors false professors, Paul said that in a great house, speaking of the church of God, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. The Lord knows those who are his, or in other words, the Lord knows those who are truly saved, who are truly believers. There's a difference in a person being a true believer and falling into sin than a person being simply a confessor.